Ladies and gentlemen, GP tonight. It's time. It's brought to you by our friends at the Fantasy Focus Podcast. That's right. Fantasy Focus, an ESPN podcast. If you're trying to get down with all things fantasy football, then trust me, Fantasy Focus is the way to go wherever you get ESPN podcasts. Now it's time for Cheap Heat. Yes, sir, we promised you a great man. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, from Orlando, Florida, just a few miles away from WWE Thunderdome, where Clash of Champions Gold Rush goes down on Sunday, I am the Mage One, Peter Rosenberg, and from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, oh yeah, the physically large, oh yeah, stat guy, Greg, SGG, are you? Uh, we're, we're, it's another pay per view, so we're trying to recreate history. So, do you <laughs> do you have SmackDown on in the background? I do have SmackDown on in the background. Uh, watching a little Matt Riddle, Baron Corbin, as we speak. Yeah, K- King Corbin to you. I mean, for how much? For how much longer? By the way, this is <laughs> this has become almost endless. This this. Ring. I mean, forever. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. You're you, you don't you're not you're not over King Corbin. You don't think it's time yet to uh, move on from King. I am not. You know why? Because he's leaned so much into it. It's almost like the the Macho King. I think I feel like he ran with that Macho King thing for a few years. And uh, you know what? That's an interesting question of how long Savage was Macho King. It was a while. It was. It, I don't. I, my guess is it wasn't this long, but it was. It was close. not. But Baron Corbin hasn't been king for more than a year yet, has he? I think he's approaching a year. Okay, so yeah, he's still got he's still got a ways to go. Got to tell you though, those crowd shots of of the Thunderdome look great. They really do. It's, yeah, it's when they just showed Riddle climbing the turnbuckles, and you see him on the top turnbuckle, and you see the crowd behind him, like, and then you see this shot that they're showing now, where Corbin's getting out of the ring, and you see the crowd behind him, and you could really see like the rows as they stack up of the Thunderdome, it really yeah. is. It really does look great. Like, I don't love the regular hard cam shot as much as I love, like, the other surrounding shots. Yeah, when you can see the whole crowd, like, it looks it looks amazing. It still looks beautiful. And I still haven't been in the Thunderdome yet, quote-unquote. But from this seat, it does look great. Have you tried to get into the Thunderdome? I tried, like, early... I think one of the first shows. It might have been the first SmackDown in Thunderdome. 
And what and happens then, when you try to get in? Like you, you, what, what, what's the process? I sat in like a waiting in a waiting area for like an hour, and I was just like, I'm done here. <laughs> oh, so you gave up? Gonna, you moved on? Yeah, I moved on. Hashtag with a life. You know what I mean? Hashtag, First and yo, foremost, I wonder is that still how they're doing it? Because like, I wonder if they could just do a sign up list, and when they get to you on the list, they tell you the date you have. Yeah, they should, and then let you in like exactly who's supposed to be there. Um, but yeah, it felt they were just like first come first serve and you can get in and I signed in when I was supposed to sign in at my quote unquote call time, which was already early. When, when, then, was, it, was it a day of the show? Yeah, it was the day of the show. They sent the link and it was like, this is your call time, sign in at your call time. Um, so I did that and then they were like, oh, you're going to have to wait a little bit. And then I ended up waiting a lot of bit and I was just like, you know what? Hashtag with the life. Sometimes hashtag with a life is a factor. Um, yeah. But yes, I, I made it down to Orlando um, today. I'm flipping back and forth between the uh, big, my Celtics at a must-win game against the Heat and SmackDown. But SGG, um, let's start outside the ring. I'm trying to remember if I recall any big, oh, well, obviously there's one yeah, major the, outside the, the ring Yeah, the one story. big thing. Is there anything else besides that, or is that it? That's the that's the biggest and only thing that I came across um, was, of course, what you were referring to as the Road Warrior Animal, the passing of Road Warrior Animal, I should say. Oh, yeah, and you know what, SUG, as sad as it was, it got sadder for me when Goldstein wrote to our group that he was only 60. Yes. I, 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 that, did that hit you too? That's when it became like, like wow like so many different things rushed into focus right like that's when you realize you know he was young in his heyday because in in like the 80s when they popped off if he was sick if he's 60 now that means that he was in his 20s when they were like the premier tag team in the world um just in his 30s when they come to wwe and then like his body just breaks down by 2000 you know what i mean like well it also makes just... you, it also makes you realize that when they came back again mm-hmm. in the early 2000s they were only in their early 40s yeah that means they still could have like aj styles is in his early 40s randy orton john cena's in his 40s you know these are people who we look at now and like yo they could still go and then that means that when they came back because they were doing it so long i thought they were older than that and they the road warriors they had that um they had the six man against the nation of domination at what wrestlemania 15 or 14 no was it wasn't it 13 13 they had a six man at 13 yeah 13 was in was at chicago but then so wrestlemania 13 was uh 23 years ago so they were only 37 then but then they came back again another few years later yeah um you know a little bit briefly so um yeah man you know and then and then you got to talk about legacy for the road warriors and i find it to be a really interesting conversation because you know there's a couple of things to think about when it comes to the road warriors there is uh 
um, their greatness and then their impact, um, which I think are, you know, and, and maybe skill set is also another conversation. Like, I guess SGG, like, you know, I know that you are, you and I are both, truth be told, WWF kids. I mean, that's yeah, what we were. That's up. just how it is. <laughs> but they, but they were in the category of completely transcendent of what promotion they were at. You know, mm -hmm. um, they they really worked everywhere, and their gimmick and style was so big that they you really when you think about it. The absolute transcendent Crockett era stars are Ric Flair. Yep. Dusty Rhodes. Yep. I I think I might argue the Road Warriors are next, even before Sting. Like they're right there in the conversation. Yeah, before Sting. And and I'll even go further than that. Like Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes, Road Warriors is the list like that's it yeah you could argue that sting great as he was was not in the transcendent category he he came no. up he was the biggest non-transcendent star right uh, and and you know lex luger right there with sting too and you know in a, in a weird way luger became more transcendent because he eventually went to wwe um yeah and so then, even though he was not better than Sting or more iconic, he did sort of become more transcendent. But I think you're right, SGG. I'll say it right now. You could write it down, take a picture, put it on Twitter. The That is the list. The transcendent stars of the non-WWF world of the 80s, Flair, Dusty, and the Road Warriors. They, mm -hmm. they were it. They were so impactful as evidenced by the amount of people i saw posting pictures dressed up as the road warriors um you know demolition. lebron james tweeted oh lebron what, what did lebron james tweet i didn't even see lebron that. james was like that was his favorite tag team growing up wow R.I.P. to animal wow wow yeah i mean you know they they were larger than life they think about it like this demolition is one of the great tag teams of all time and they're a road warriors knockoff yeah and that's and that's no disrespect to the actual talent who wore the you know who, who lived the gimmick who played the gimmick but but in terms of what the gimmick was it was it was road warriors adjacent and they're iconic i i want to say hall of fame but somehow they're not hall of fame yet um but they will be and and then, you know, Powers of Pain. There was two mm -hmm. major tag teams, <laughs> one more so than the other, that mm -hmm. were just Road Warriors a chase. That's how big they were. And um, then and then can't forget, you know, Sting and the Ultimate Warrior at the Dingo Warrior at the time, the Blade Runners, also a Road Warriors ripoff. And even though yeah. they split up and became massive in their own right, did they ever let go of the face paint? No, they did not because <laughs> they knew where the that's money a, was. That's a great point. Now, SUG, I just had a nervous feeling for a second. You're sure you're recording your audio, right? Yes, I am. 
Okay, just we're just just had a flashback. I had an Orlando flashback. I am uh, I am but, recording my. I'm watching the levels. So so it's just uh, so then you so when you talk about iconic, that's one category we'll put them in, which is the most transcendent non WWF stars of all time, along with Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes. But then. You have to have the second conversation, which is where do they sit amongst greatest tag teams of all time? And I wonder, SGG, if we remove our personal fanship bias um, towards a certain Canadian faction. Yes. Realistically, you remove the bias. When it comes to a tag team name and brand, they're the greatest of all time. Yeah, they are the greatest. In terms of a name and brand, they are. Now, you know, with our biases, then, you know, the Hart Foundation can can get in there. And the Hart Foundation, I mean, if you're just talking straight WWE, best best to ever do it. But Road Warriors have been everywhere. And that's the thing, too. Road Warriors, you could drop them in there with a Hart Foundation or a Steiners or a Demolition or anybody and be guaranteed you're going to get a knockdown, drag out, brawl, that you know borderline classic and not only that like these promotions that they went to all knew what they had when the road warriors walked in it was money and they put them in the top spot gave them the titles let them beat everybody and let them go on to the next town like they were still doing the territory thing when these promotions were trying to go national and put each other out of business (laughs) you know what i mean they let the road warriors come in get the title then go to the next one and do the same thing rinse repeat it's it's really, you know, at first I was I, I really I, I've I've kind of been working my way through this conversation as the week went on because, at first, I was like, man, everyone's saying they're the greatest. Wait, but are they? Because they weren't my greatest. But then when you think about it, you know, my favorite tag teams, of all time, are the Bulldogs and the Hart Foundation, um, and, and then you can you can talk about, you know, other different. I'm, I'm, you know the Steiners are all, all time great. Um, uh, who do you think? Who else is in that conversation? Rock and Roll Express. Um, yeah. Um, Harlem Heat. Um, yeah. You know there are a lot of names uh, who really, of course, you know, as, if we were to sit here and go through the list, we could go chapter and verse on how many all time great tag teams there are, and. You know, their in-ring style, you know, as a little kid, it wasn't what spoke to me. Like I said, A, I was a WWF kid. B, when they became Legion of Doom, when when they, when they came over as Legion of Doom, even though they were dope, stylistically, the reason I love the Bulldog so much was, you know, the speed and the, mm-hmm. you know, and the flying headbutt and the Hart Foundation look resonated with me more. Like, I thought Brett seemed cooler and... You know, yeah. and the Hart but, Foundation had like the best combination of skills to me, which is like, all right, you got a you got a strong team up in it, and it was gonna run the point. You know, you got some got some fast, speedy guys up in there. Brett's gonna run the point. We can handle anybody. <laughs> We're not worried about anybody. Yeah, and that, and that spoke to me too. Um, so I don't know if in ring skill set, I'd say they're my number one. But when you look at the whole thing, um, the look, the power, the style. The catchphrase, um, yeah, you know they and the look is a big one too. Because even though like stylistically, the the what they did in the ring didn't speak to me as much. Like 
I was still a fan of the Road Warriors. Like, yeah, I still was... rocked with the paint. I still loved when the music hit. I almost wanted to get the haircut like Hawk with the with the double mohawk down the side. Pops nixed it. That was close. <laughs> Probably a good call by Pops, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But, man, they are – you really – if if you can't come out here and just say, "Oh no, nah, they're 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 not number one," and have an easy argument, you really the argument's on you to argue against them, because yeah. I mean, listen, no matter who you say, either Dudley boys, the, it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, we should have mentioned the Dudleys too. I mean, and the Hardys and and all the greats who came on later in the later generation, Edge and Christian, DX, whoever mm-hmm. it was for you, the Rockers, whoever. I mean, listen. There is a term, the term in the business for the best pop you can get is a road warrior pop. That's that's the term. That says it all. That's what you were trying. Your goal, if you were trying to be over with the crowd, was to get a road warrior pop. That said to this day. So, I mean... R.I.P. Animal, and of course, Hawk died way back, I think, in 03. Yeah. Um, so, uh, sending love out to the Laurinaitis family, Johnny Ace. and um, Very sad. Very, very, very sad. 60 is entirely too young, but, um, you know, and people will take their shots at wrestling, and of course, the age of, uh, of, of superstars from that era and when they pass and they will try to pin it on the WWE and all those different things ultimately these are guys who came from an era where i mean this this business was just brutal on your body and it really wasn't you know because of one person or entity it was the business period yeah um, the traveling all of it the bumps you know i got attacked this week by known all-time iconic WWE hater in the New York Post, Phil Mushnick, who is a bad, terrible guy who has been attacking, amongst many other things, WWE for many years. Existing (laughs) at this point. Yeah, exactly. And and, and don't get me wrong, he's awful on every issue. His comments on hip-hop... Yo, I I will never. I mean, there. Are, I, I won't use the word hate, um, but he is deplorable to me. I mean, his his takes. He basically just hates everything I love in life and and rips it to shreds mercilessly. And he he writes a little. He writes a column every week, which barely anyone reads anymore. Um, but at one time had was of some import. And this week he wrote, oh, uh, you know. Uh, one of Vince McMahon's all-time great wrestlers, Animal, died. Which, which, by the way, right off jump, you're mislabeling even what they yeah. were. Yeah, because it, it's so like, reductive. They it, weren't yeah, in the, it, <laughs> in terms of their career. They weren't even in WWE for like a, such a small amount of it that to call him one of Vince McMahon's is is disrespectful. It, it's they were already solidified by the time they got to Vince. They were already solidified as one of the greats. So he's trying, the point of his little paragraph is to do what he always does, which is say, look, another wrestler died. It's because Vince McMahon is evil, right? Like, that's the point. But he said, he writes about it, and then in the last sentence is like, uh, but, but, 
WWE Yahoo Peter Rosenberg of the Michael K show clearly doesn't care or something like that out of nowhere. <laughs> and I, you know, the implication, I guess, being that I'm an apologist or, or whatever it may be, but I got to tell you, I'm, I'm kind of honored to be attacked by him because he really has been doing all things wrestling. <laughs> it, it, it means I'm certified as a, as a, as a wrestling guy. Um, but anyways, a uh, big rest in peace to animal. Um, you know, a guy who is worthy of, of the first 20 minutes of cheap heat this week without a doubt we could we could have done an entire road warriors episode um and talked to endless superstars about the influence of the road warriors uh just just gigantic i mean just the name road warriors like it's it's yeah. almost part of the common american vernacular just it just is so uh sug before we get to uh we'll get to clash of champions we'll we'll uh, go over the card but uh what i guess i guess the next subject the next biggest subject would have to be the true reveal of retribution on monday night yeah it and wasn't I mean, met, uh, it wasn't met with uh joyous praise no i'm so how can i say this so from the beginning right I've been a very much a proponent of let's wait and see what happens. Let's see what they do. You know, I gave them some good faith. I extended them the the time to like let it develop. And then I will say that my trust was not rewarded on Monday. I mean, they come out with these masks and the 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 they just the presentation that was working they just dashed it away for I don't even know what they're going for now. Slapjack, Mace, and T-Bar with these masks and like the silly face paint. I mean, I I don't know what's happening. What was your biggest? Uh, let's start. Let's start here. What was your biggest gripe of everything that happened on Monday? And and I do have one little bit of positive about it. I'll, we'll get to. But but what was your biggest gripe? Because uh, I I'm sure you had a few. Is that they veered? So, so, firstly, them having contracts makes no sense. None. It should have been a situation where, like, they earn the contracts or something. Them just suddenly having contracts is a is a wrinkle in the storytelling that they just completely bypassed for I no mean, reason. How about how about at the very least you see them like taking Vince McMahon hostage and, and forcing themselves to get contracts. Something. Something. <laughs> Something. Other, so other. Oh, yeah, WWE made, gave us contracts. Even have that. Even have Vince come out and be like, yo, what do you want? I will give you a contract. I don't even know what I'm apologizing for, but I'm sorry. And then they just snatch him up. And they come back with con- something. But like them just having contracts was a waste. Yeah, them just and saying then, we've, been, we've been signed to a WWE contract. It was that part made my 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 skin crawl. I was I was and, legit angry at that. Yeah, and then for them to just completely go left with the presentation, like the face paint, the colored contacts, the masks. I don't understand why they why they did it like that. Like it it didn't. They they had something that they could work with, and now they left them. They've left themselves with a, a much taller hill to climb in terms of getting over and connecting with the fans. Like it's 
So there's absurd. there's the contract part. That's at the top of the list for me too. Probably number one. Obviously, the look is the the masks are terrible. The like weird, you know, Pulp Fiction, friggin', just weird. I, I don't even know masoch- sadomasochistic, strange masks. The names are atrocious. The names, the names are like the names. They are never gonna overcome those names. No, I was Slapjack, thinking about. I was, Mace I was like, how, and T Bar. I was like, how are they? Go- I mean, I guess Mace can live. Slapjack is the one that's really like impossible. Yeah, Slapjack is like. So T-bar I was thinking. T- I, I was like, I was like, are they gonna man? Are they gonna change the name? Like, will they just get away from the name and then give them a new one? Because Slapjack was panned so badly. I mean, if it was AEW, yeah. they would have. They probably would have released an apology last night with a new name. One hundred percent. I mean, that's how bad and it yo, was. They did it with the Viking Experience. The Viking Experience lasted all of sixty seconds. It was by the next show, they were something completely different. They they should um, do the same with Slapjack. They really should. Yeah. It's 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 gotta go. Slapjack has to go. It, it's it's it is not a go. Um, so the look, the names, you know, and then of course I have a big problem with because I'm such a big fan. I have a problem with the role of the hurt business. Like, well, okay, I'm okay with the hurt business at some point having issues with retribution. But them playing this role of like savior, it wasn't. Maybe there was a way you could have made it make sense, but they didn't. It they just like stepped up. Like all of a sudden, they're going to be the heroes of Raw. Why? They've been the well, villains no, of the, Raw. No, and well, I gotta disagree with you on the on the hurt business piece. So I think it it's very mage that the hurt business. Cause I don't think I've ever seen this before. Even that the hurt business in three hours of Raw. In one segment, they are the clear bad guys. And then in another segment, they are the clear baby faces. And then, you know, remember, this is a situation where WWE is piping in the crowd noise. So WWE is pointing you in a direction. And with the Hurt Business, when there's Ricochet and Apollo Crews in the ring, they point you in the direction of these are the bad guys. And then when there's Retribution, they point you in the direction of these are the good guys. That's as but a big of a rebuke of this idea that baby faces and heels exist, that WWE can take this one act and then sort of split them. Yeah, but it's not a, it's not a real rebuke. It's not a real rebuke. It's a rebuke only in the eyes of WWE. It's not a rebuke but by it, the fans because it wasn't actually no, real it's, fans it's not, who did but, that. No, but, uh, but I think fans are buying into this idea that the Hurt Business are the heroes in the Retribution story and the villains in the Ricochet and Apollo crew story. I don't know I think that you the fans can say are buying into that. that. I don't know if you can say with confidence that anyone bit, bought into anything of the Retribution story. That that's the problem. <laughs> that's the problem with your argument. It's not the hurt. But business, I also, but it's, it's not the hurt business. Part. The hurt business is mage. The hurt business is mage. But but, and, but why? But why? Um, I the point you make is interesting. It it does speak to how mage the hurt business is, and that I love that they're getting this much time. But SGG, they double dipping and nobody cares. Like nobody, but, it do, no, but, but it doesn't mean that it's the most effective way to to use them. I'd say here's why I'm gonna go back to my mantra of let's wait and see. But I think 
that because the hurt business at the end of the day, MVP alluded to this too. They're running a business, right? When they went to Adam Pearson, was like, "Listen, you got a retribution problem. We'll solve it." And he was like, "Thank you for volunteering." I don't think they went into enough detail about the fact that no, they're not volunteering. They're not just like stepping up to fight out of the goodness of their heart. This is what they do, and they do it effectively. And this is how much it's going to cost you. I don't think they like played into the idea of them being mercenaries enough to make their involvement in the retribution storyline make sense. I'll give you that. But I think that's what it is, is that they just like, this is a business transaction for them. Like nothing more, nothing less. Then, Even then if show us that. Presenting them. Yeah, just no, show, I'm with show, they, show us more. Or do a better again. job of showing that. Or do a better job because they did allude to it. But I don't, like I said, I don't think they did enough to, to hammer it home. Yeah, because just like you didn't show us how we got here with Retribution, you also didn't show us how we got here with the Hurt Business. Oh, by the way, heads up, over the last couple of weeks, I mean, Adam Pierce is now just like a primary character on television on both shows. Yeah, I don't know when he <laughs> moves so far, so far up the ladder, but I mean, I'm happy for him. Congratulations. I mean, me too, uh, but it's just, again, random, not really explained particularly. We're just we're just here now. Um, yeah. And like a legitimate so, congratulations too, not a congratulations, you played yourself. No, 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 it's cool, exactly, yes, it's, yes. it's cool for him. Um, but, um, and then it leads me to the positive part was that when we got to the eventual... When we got to the eventual match at the end of Raw, I wasn't mad at it. Um, yeah, like, I, like, like it showed me that there was a path they could have taken that I would have been okay with us getting there. But the path to getting there was just, whoo! It was, uh, yeah. it was something. And also, Dio Madden, right? Yeah. You have you have Tom Phillips on commentary forced to not know who this man is who sat next to him doing commentary? Yeah. Yeah. A, I a mean guy, the dreads the dreads is in the dead giveaway. And he's so tall. Duh. He's a big ass dude with dreads. He and, who who beat his ass at, at um at commentary I think it one was, day? Oh, I forget who it was. Was it Brock? No. No, it was Brock. It was Brock? It was Brock, and then we never saw him again. And so, wait, last time we saw him, he just got completely worked, and now, basically, he's a scary guy who Tom Phillips doesn't even recognize. <laughs> Damn You're asking shame. a lot. You're asking a lot of us. And... It would have been better if they just allowed to be who they were because, you know, they come out with these grievances like they have some type of gripe against WWE. We don't we don't know what the problem is with Slapjack, T-Bar and Mace, but Dio Madden can say, like, this is my issue. You know what I mean? Uh, Dijakovic can say, this is my issue. And it could be more effective than like these strangers running around just being like. 
oh, I was wronged somehow, some way. I'm expecting people to care. Mm. A lot of frustration here around the old retribution. And man, when was the last time something got as widely and quickly panned on Twitter as retribution did? Viking experience is the last one I can think of. Thankfully, WWE corrected the course on it. And that was more just about the name. Yeah, no, this is... This was like... This is everything. (laughs) Now, um, on the flip side of the coin, I will tell you, because you weren't on the show last week, and I talked about this with Dip. Great show, by the way. Oh, thank you. You listened. I did. Dip, nothing made me laugh more than when he said he would have flicked a toothpick in his father's face. Because, I mean... Let's be honest, that was the call. And that scenario that you set up, <laughs> that's the move. What else did it do? So what just happened here, I'm seeing Jay Uso. Um, I'm seeing Jay Uso yelling in the ring and Roman Reigns walking off. Do you know what happened? Very passionate promo by Jay Uso. Um, Roman came out and just basically told them that there's a reason that Roman is the tribal chief and the big dog is because Jay just doesn't understand the responsibility of, you know, having to put the family on his back and then oh, sort of sunned them and, and walked off. And guess what we got there? Oh, yep. We got Roman Reigns acting like a real good old fashioned bad guy, punching his cousin in the face, screaming and holding the title over him Uh, and so and so you probably heard me say this last week um i really enjoyed how last week jay uso was still happy and being like you're my cousin let's be cool you know maybe mocking him a little bit but like not taking it that serious and how roman was sort of dead serious about it I, i thought they did a good job they have to me okay they have successfully made me care about a main event at a pay-per-view that when we first heard about it, it sounded like a bit of a throwaway. I, I think this has gotten meaningful. Yeah. I'm very excited for this uh, Roman Reigns James so match. Especially after the <laughs> after tonight. This is how you do a go-home show, a go-home segment. <laughs> I mean... Because, um, you know, Jey Uso mentioned, like, why why can't I be the one to carry the championship? Why can't I make the family proud? Like, you know, when people see me, they ask, which one are you? But I can I can do it, too. And Roman didn't like that. <laughs> Roman did not like that at all so much so that he had to hit him with a Superman punch. He referenced why when people see me, do they ask, which one are you? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad he was honest about that. <laughs> it can be hard to keep track of the Usos, although Jay has a different look right now. Um, his hair—he kind of has like that mullet thing going. Um, but I like what they've done there. So uh, that is a positive piece. Um, did you? Uh, did you watch any AEW this week? Come on, P. I did not, unfortunately. Yo. Or maybe fortunately, I don't know. What did I miss? I, I, I listen. It was a good show. 
It was a it was a good show, a solid show in general. Um, I heard Cody came back though. I didn't even I didn't even see Cody's coming. I, I fell asleep. Like I watched it in different parts, and I didn't see the Cody part yet. But I'll just I just wanted to say one thing. MJF and Jericho together on screen is is magic. It's they did a five minute sort of comedic bit where like you couldn't tell if they were gonna end up friends or hating each other. If there's five minutes you're gonna watch, please watch it. I'm okay. a, I'm gonna make you watch it tonight. Legit, <laughs> I can do that. As long as the bell only, doesn't ring. As long as the bell doesn't ring, because I don't trust Jericho after that happens. It's legit only five minutes long. Um and it is I mean, man, I gotta tell you, if you're doing the power rankings for overall total package talent of young superstars in the world, uh MJF, man, for what for how charismatic and entertaining he is. Um, and I know you're a, a big in-ring guy, obviously, but even yes. you must admit the total when you add up how much, how how much he pops off the screen. MJF's up there. So his mic work for me, I I deduct points because he always reaches for the low-hanging fruit, and I don't consider that like high-level heel work. Um, he doesn't always do that. I disagree with that. He also does that. I do not think that's all he does, though. I he think does he, it more than the other things in his in the skill set of a talented heel. I think that he, as a new as a newcomer, I mean, let's remember this is a guy who only got a national presence in the last year. I think I think it's wise to use the basics of heeldom to establish how hateable you are. Now, if we're having That's this fair. conversation, if we're having this conversation in four years, I'll take your argument. That's fair. Because right mean, now, I... I think it was important for him to establish I am the worst of the worst guys. That's fair. Because I think when I think of him, I think of like the Miz, and just just like the Miz is so much better than MJF to me as a heel, as a bad guy. But like, the Miz also has what like fifteen years on him. Yo, in terms do you of know in-ring what, experience. Do you, do you know what The Miz was doing at this stage? I'm not saying in his working career, but in terms of his national TV career, what Miz was doing right now? <laughs> Listen, was, the Diva was, search was a great thing he, for the company. He was walking around yelling, Hoorah! I mean, <laughs> it was... I recently stumbled. I was. I somehow stumbled on like an O five, O six SmackDown. Mm-mm. Which one? It was. It was. Uh, it was in. It was in L. A. And the Miz was hosting a diva dance contest with Nick and Aaron Carter as the special guest oh judges. Oh my god. It was some of the most painful TV for so many reasons. <laughs> um, the only thing that made it a passable segment is Crystal Marshall was in the competition. Well, listen, man, Miz did that so MJF wouldn't have to go through that, okay? 
We should that's, all that's, be thanking. We should all be thanking Mike Mazzadid for struggling was, through the deepest search. He comes out there and he's like, "Hoorah, hoorah!" Oh my god! It, it, now listen, <laughs> and, and and by the way, though, now to your to your point, he was just so hateable. So he was also using the the basics. It's just um, he was not nearly as advanced. He didn't have the poise. You know, MJF can talk slowly and in different levels. Like, yeah. he doesn't have to yell. You know, like, MJF can do a lot of different things. Um, Here, listen, here's as high a compliment as I can give somebody in AEW who has not yet worked for uh, the WWE in any capacity. I hope they pluck him. <laughs> I hope they pluck him. Drop him down where he needs to go. Shine him up. He could he could be high level. I don't think him being left to his own devices in AEW is going to do that for him. But, but I hope they pluck him. Let him let him let him get where he can be. You as are high as so he can on the, on the other mean, side. You're let, you're let pluck him and then shoot him to the moon. The idea I, you so really at this point do you really think at this moment it would really work to his benefit to be put in the system that he'd be in in WWE. No, no, no. That's why I say let him listen, let him maximize his potential at AEW. And then when he's as AEW big as he can get, then you snatch him up, you drop him into the WWE bubble, and then he goes 10 times on top of that. Well, let's hope that we're in a place you're also then hoping that we're in a place where when they do that, he'd have the room to be what he could be. Um, Cause not a lot of people have a lot of room to cook. That's um, why you got to send them. I mean, as much as people take this as an insult, drop him in NXT where he gets to work with triple H and Sean and then like explode. People take that as an insult. Like NXT is some, something to, something to look down at, but I mean, that's where you drop them. And, and with them beating NXT in the ratings and how much emphasis they put on NXT, who knows? MJF might consider going to NXT and insult at any point in his career, but but it's really not when you're around those minds and you see what they can do. Well, I don't think anyone... People. You know, there, there are so many... Bi- I mean, Samoa Joe went to NXT. Right. So, I mean, there are certain people that it's just like... Everybody sh- went to NXT. It's literally... A- Everyone AJ, AJ Styles that did not, yeah. So I mean, yeah. There's it's it's hard to be insulted by that for sure. What I'm just trying to say is, I wish that, you know, and this is one thing Dip harps on. And you know, listen, I say this as someone who only wants WWE to dominate and be number one. <laughs> I wish there was more room. I wish there was more room on SmackDown and Raw for people to cook. Like, you have three hours on Monday. And I feel like, in a lot of ways, the only person who's able to really go in, character-wise, uh, it, it's Seth. Um, It's Seth and MVP. Yeah. You yeah. know, um, and they have three hours. So if you had someone of an MJF's talent level, while you're right, and there's no insult to going to NXT, if I if he was to pop up on WWE, I would have no issue with him being on Raw and having time to cook because there's time. The only problem is, I'd be like, which baby faces are there for him? You know? Um, yeah. 
So SGG, what you want to um you want to pull out the Clash of Champions card real quick? Yeah, let me get to that. But while I look that up, you know, you did mention Seth, and I mean, what was that about on Monday? The DNA test, the DNA test, and the the accusation that Ray is not the father of his daughter. Like I, I, I really thought that this Monday Night Messiah versus the Mysterios thing was done, and now here we go again. Now yeah, we're doing we, the DNA it felt like last test week remix. We, like it kind of felt like we'd reached the end. Um. And I guess we have not. Also, didn't we already do a Rey Mysterio Are You the Father story with Eddie Guerrero? Yeah. A great one, by the way. Loved it. Loved it. It's one of my all-time favorites. But in wrestling, rarely is the sequel as good as the original. Um, although but I yeah, feel like... I guess they're not you know, done there. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But... um. Yes, I have the card up now. It was announced on Monday that on the kickoff show, it's going to be Asuka versus Alina Vega. Now, typically when we do this, we do match by match, and we go through everything. But um, I think we made a promise to ourselves last time that what we were going to do is I'm going to read off the card, and then we're going to jump into some matches that we are interested in, and then really focus in on that. All right, cool. So just read through so the card, I'm, and we'll, we'll leave I'm it I'm going to read through the card, and then we'll dive in um, where we dive in. So like I said, on the kickoff show, there was Asuka versus Alina Vega, singles match for the Raw Women's Championship. Uh, on the SmackDown side is Nikki Cross and Bayley for the SmackDown Women's Championship in the singles match. Bobby Lashley is also defending the United States Championship against Apollo Crews, while the Street Profits will be defending uh, the Raw Tag Team Championships against Andrade and Angel Garza, who earned a shot at the championships uh, this past Monday. Cesaro and Nakamura defending this tag, the SmackDown Tag Team Championships against the Lucha House Party. Excuse me. Um, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler defending the Women's Tag Team Championships against the Riot Squad. And then we have Jeff Hardy, who is billed as the Intercontinental Champion, defending his championship against AJ Styles and Sami Zayn, who is claiming to be the champion uh, and also putting his championship on the line. And then we have Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton for the WWE Championship in an ambulance match and Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso in the Universal Championship match. And just to back up a second, that Intercontinental Championship triple threat match is a ladder match with both titles hanging above the ring. P, what do wait, you want to get into? Wait, wait, with which with which two titles? The IC title and the what? And Jeff Hardy's Intercontinental Championship and Sami Zayn's Intercontinental Championship. Oh, oh, both. are both going to be hanging above the ring. That's fun. Um, well, let me say this: very happy for Zelina, um, to be involved in just as a wrestling storyline, but it's also a little like kind of classic. Like, didn't shouldn't she have built up a little bit before a match with Oscar would feel plausible? Yeah, like she beat, she beat <laughs> she beat Mickey James, and now it's just like title shot. Yo, Mickey James had the last title shot. Mickey James is a multiple time women's champion. Um, but don't you and think honestly, Zelina should have a, a couple of months where we get used to seeing her like 
winning some matches, and then you think she could maybe win? I agree, but uh, after the hell that Asuka's been going through with Sasha and Bailey and, uh, you know, Becky before that <laughs> and defended the tag team championships before that, no disrespect to Zelina, but she deserves a little cakewalk. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, they so can't, thank you for they can't leave her off the card. So <laughs> you, you completely make my point for me. <laughs> they can't yeah, leave no. her off the card, but just throw us some light work out of respect. So, so exactly my point. That's not what Zelina needs as as the start to a singles career potentially. Um on on Raw. It depends on how it goes though. If she gets squashed and like completely brutalized, then no. But if she if she does come out and have a good show and I mean, listen, it's still Asuka. There's no shame in losing to Asuka. You will join a long list of great women's wrestlers. Um throughout the years in WWE who have lost to Asuka. No that shame in it. That is a, that part is a fact. Um, and also, I'll be on that kickoff show. It's a good, very good panel um, hosted by Charlie Caruso and then myself, JBL, and Booker. Whew. So that'll be fun. I'm You're not stepping into say, the Hall of Fame, basically. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to say it that it was addition by subtraction. But I think it's going to be good. Um, <laughs> no, that's wrong. That's wrong. Um, so, but but I, I, right. do lo- I do love those guys. So it'll, it'll be a good one. I'm excited for Sunday. But um, all right. So then obviously we've spent our we've already talked about the Uso Roman match. We're excited about that. Um, I, I'm, I'm ready to move on from Lashley and Apollo. I, yeah, I'm done with, I mean, you- I'm done with Apollo and the Hurt Business. I, I'm done. You've been saying this for a while that the Hurt Business needs some, uh, you know, some other guys to. Some diversity, perhaps, in their opponents. Right. <laughs> right. And I'm ready. I'm ready for a change. Now, Retribution is a change. It is. And it that is. may be continuing, I'm, I'm guessing. But Hopefully, but we'll see where this goes because I'm also not ready for the Hurt Business to be like. These babyface heroes, um, which I don't yeah, think they either. will be. But... Nor, do I, nor do I feel like watching them get squashed out by Retribution for a month. Yeah. Because so... what do you do there? You're not going to have Retribution show up and lose. Yeah, you cannot bury Retribution. And the Hurt Business also are not in the position where they need to be taking losses to um, these new guys who... To Slapjack? Big gripe. <laughs> to T-Bar. Uh, it's, it, yeah, no... These groups need to stay away from each other, but you know they've already been placed in the position where they're on a collision course. So I'm just praying that they both come out of it um, looking strong, which is a tricky, tricky um, balance for WWE to have to make. But they did this. I didn't do this. <laughs> they did this. No, I do. I do have a little excitement around Randy and Drew, just because you know every time they get together, I'm ready for Randy to take that title. Yeah. And I am too. I, I really am. Um, there's nothing else to say. I'm, I'm with you on that. I think Randy. I think I said it last week, but I think Randy and Keith Lee feuding over the title makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Um, even though I don't think you know, I don't think you put it on Keith Lee yet. I think him just being involved in that story for a little while would do a lot for Keith Lee. Um, and I just think Randy has more interesting stories to tell. Um, yeah. Again, though, again, though, there's not a ton 
of good guys, of credible good guys for Randy on Monday nights. Yeah, I mean, that's why he just holds the title for a while. Because who, once he gets it, who does take it off? I'm with you that as much as I would like to see Keith Lee be WWE champion, it feels a little bit too early. And, and by the uh, way, you know how e- you know how easy it is to have fun with Randy Orton. You know how easy it is to go get some like slightly over the hill legends who can still talk and work a basic match to come back and have a one week, or two week, even three week story with Randy. Yeah, and Randy's the perfect like, guy to give them these opportunities too because he's like an old school, like he grew up in that. <laughs> and and I know this may be a bad example because he's like pseudo affiliated with AEW or he was, but. Like, even if someone like a DDP were to come back and cut a promo on Randy and try about positivity and blah, 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 and then they're like, next week on Raw, Randy Orton versus the legend DDP. That's fun. That's a fun. I would look forward to that. Like, I would look forward to seeing Randy Orton and DDP have a match, and I know it's going to end with with an RKO or a punt or both, and I'm good with it. I'm good with it. I am too, and it's it's also, like, the perfect way to revive that legend killer gimmick. It's just like, listen. You know, you had your heyday. I'll give you. I'll give you one more shot at glory. You can. You can take the champ. You don't gotta go jump through all these other hoops that these young guys do. Yo, I just had an idea. Pay- I just had an idea. SGG. I'm sorry. Let's hear it. You could do. You could take it a step further. You know how everyone loves doing an open challenge. Randy yeah. Orton could do an open challenge to anybody in any promotion anywhere. I don't <sighs> care. I don't care where in the world you're from. Anybody can walk through that door right now, and I'll take them on. And that opens the door for them to bring in anybody who's still capable of coming and working a match. I would love that. And every week it could be fun. Every week Randy beats that. And Legend Killers are everyone's favorite Randy Orton. And and this could get you time until you build back to Edge for next year's WrestleMania or whatever else you end up deciding or to do. Or anybody else, yeah. That was a major idea. I'm, I'm happy with that. that um, yeah, no. Uh, that was street, brilliant. Street, street Profits match, uh, whatever. Um, yeah, I think it's... I love Street Profits. I think it's time. Time to what? Time for them to slide those championships to... Because, I mean, you know, Dominic and Humberto were right there. You know, Seth and Buddy Murphy were right there in this triple threat match. It doesn't make sense that they would go right back to... Andrade and Angel Garza again. Well, I know, and you know what I thought? I thought we were about to get was that was where Dominic was going to go, was in a tag team with Carrillo. And I was like, like, you know what? That might work. Yeah, I was excited for it, and then they lost. (laughs) I mean, you know, they don't have to become tag team champions, but, you know, I I think that would have let let you see what Dominic could do. That would have got him away from Seth Rollins. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, it would have given Carrillo something to do too. But we, we go back to Andrade and Angel. And if they're going to go back to the well with those two and the tag team championships again, then they might as well just take take the championships. Just because it'll be a, a wrinkle in whatever they're doing with the Street Profits now. Um, what else, SGG, did you have? Uh, did you Was there anything else on the card you wanted to hit? Well, I'm definitely interested in the, this Intercontinental Championship triple threat. Um, I really 
I like all three of these guys. And I and honestly, too, historically, Intercontinental Championship ladder matches are pretty good. Like, I think about The Rock and Triple H at that SummerSlam. You know, Sean Razor at Bania. I think Sean Razor ran it back again for the Intercontinental Championship at a SummerSlam. Um, in a match that I enjoyed even more than the Mania match. Having this be a triple threat as opposed to a one-on-one with a disputed title adds a wrinkle to the story that makes it a little bit more interesting. Um, and at the end of the day, these guys can all perform. Sammy and AJ and Jeff. Yeah, that, that actually does have a chance to be to really steal the show. Yeah. I mean, that could be... There's a lot of potential in that match, for sure. Uh, I am looking forward to that. Um, I think it's going to be gut, as Booker T says. <laughs> gut! Actually, do you have a... Do, speaking of Booker T, do you have black power rankings? Oh, of course. I'm black, y'all, and I'm black, y'all, and I'm blacker than black, and I'm black, y'all, and I'm black, y'all, and I'm black, y'all, and I'm blacker than black, and I'm black, y'all. I'm blacker than black, blacker than black, black, I'm blacker than black, yo, because I'm black, and I'm black. I couldn't come back without my black power rankings. All right, the Shad Gaspard Black Power Rankings. In at number three. Um, I know earlier that I said in wrestling, very rarely is the sequel as good as the original. But uh, that Bianca Belair vignette that they did on Monday gave oh, yeah. me big Mr. Perfect Kurt Hedick vibes. And I got so very excited because at the end of the day, she is the EST of the WWE. She is someone that everybody's excited about. And if they're going to go through the trouble to make these vignettes to show her dominating in the performance center, um, I think they have big plans for her. And I'm just so ready and excited to see what they do uh, with Bianca Belair in this role. So she's coming in at number three. And at number two... We didn't touch on Raw Underground, but I do have to give it to Daba Kato. I mean, he's Shane McMahon's officially. He's he's the hired muscle. He's the he's the big man in Raw Underground. Even though he did um, end up getting slept in disappointing fashion uh, by Braun Strowman. You know, Braun Strowman's a former Universal Champion, and even though he he has a feud with KO, also a former Universal Champion. So I mean, it looks like they're setting Daba Kato up for these. Um, for a big spot. He's feuding simultaneously with two uh, world champion caliber wrestlers. And let's be honest, he's the guy you got to go through if you want to make a name for yourself on Raw Underground. So also looking towards the future to see where they can go. I'm giving Dabakato uh, number two. And then in at number one, I mean, is there any other group that could come here? It's, it's got to be the Hurt Business. Um they are the premier group on Monday Night Raw. They have managed to, like I said earlier, be baby faces in one feud, uh, the heels in another feud, and then it doesn't even feel out of place in either, even though you know they are stuck dealing with retribution. Um, but the whole package came together so beautifully. Cedric was a hell of an exclamation point alongside those three veterans, MVP, Lashley, and um, Shelton Benjamin, and the four of them, like, they just work. They just work. I know a lot of people try to liken them to a new nation, 
for obvious reasons. But I think that's that's reductive. They're more like a I'm I'm looking at Black Horseman, maybe like Black Evolution, mm. however you want to call it. Um, and I think that's Evolution better. No, exactly. Um, definitely not a new nation. This this is so much bigger than that. Um, and it's just mage in its own way. But yeah, I could I can go on and on about how great the Hurt Business is right now. But they're going in number one, and I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, very curious to see what the ceiling is for the Hurt Business and where else or they if there can is go. One. Yeah, and like, and who they, and who else could be a part of it? You know, um, obviously, I think MVP is the the core of this thing, and um, but it's made Bobby Lashley more impactful. It certainly made Shelton Benjamin more impactful, mm-hmm. um, and made him really given him a, a purpose on the show. Um, and now I think it's good for Cedric too. So, but but I'm also curious to see where else they could go. I would love you know, them to have all the gold. One time, I would just. You, you, I would by the way, it. I'm I'm going to tell you something right now that you're going to go. At first, you might go, hmm, but I think if you think about it, you know who would be fire coming out in the suit, and and sitting there silently looking like an assassin with the hurt business. Who? And there's some irony to his name. Who? <laughs> Alistair Black. Hmm. He looks good I, in a suit too. He looks good. I know, Alistair Black suited up, like, uh, and and he's so dangerous and young. And I think mm-hmm. it gives Bla- I think it gives him a um, it gives him a rub that he needs. Um, and I think it gives them the credibility of a guy who is neither older. You know, like, because the Hurt Business is basically comprised of three older guys. Yeah, they guys. trend older. <laughs> they do. And then and then even with Cedric, he's not older, but we, we certainly know generally the lane that Cedric is going to occupy in WWE. Alistair yeah. Black, it's very unclear whether he's, like, a future world champion or someone who maybe fades away. We don't know yet. Like, I, I think it's still a complete mystery where Alistair Black goes. And I wonder... Whether having him there is sort of a, you know, he, he could appear to be a really dangerous, unknown commodity for MVP in the Hurt Business. Yeah. Um, you know, and obviously, you know the way factions are. At some point, someone's getting turned on and getting pushed out of the faction. There are going to be any great faction <laughs> at some point. True. People people rotate. That is how factions work. The breakup, uh, the breakup angle. Yeah, and even if the whole thing doesn't break up, one person gets broken up with you know that's sort of like the the way those storylines generally get forwarded i mean and then and then one day you get your big farouk rock moment you know it it, it, but but these these things happen but anyways i think alistair black would be an interesting and sort of surprising piece for for the hurt business all right let me hit a couple of pieces of mail before we get about here yes because there has been a lot of mail. RosenbergBeats at gmail.com. By the way, the cameos are going great. Shout out to all the uh, members of the Cheap Heat universe who have hit me up for cameos. I'm having fun sending them out to uh, everyone in the cameo world. Let's see. That's a really long one. We're not going to read that. <laughs> um, Simon writes us. Hey, Stat Guy Bend and the Mage one. Am I too late to the party to dub the new faction Repugtribution? Stay mage, enjoy yourself, and take it easy. 
Michael writes us. Greg. So WWE usually sends the championship belt to the sports team who wins the championship in their respective sport. What would happen if Jacksonville won the Super Bowl? Would WWE voluntarily send a replica belt to the sports team who owns AEW, Mike in Long Island? No, they won't, and don't worry about it because Jacksonville's not, not going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, Matt writes us. Page one, first off, I want to say they ruined Retribution. The off-brand Bane looks... Uh, the off-brand Bane look sucks. The fake Predator look sucks. The name sucks. It all sucks. What I really want to email about is the mystery woman in those SmackDown vignettes. Everyone's saying it's Carmella, but is there any chance it's Charlotte? What are your thoughts? No, I would never touch Charlotte. I would never, like... I think it's Carmella. Well, Dip is very excited about a reimagined Carmella. And I would be as well. I'm a fan. Um... Let's see. Niles writes us. Mail. Hey, sweet, sweet in Uptown. Longtime listener from the maker of Shoe Era. I haven't heard this yet. But is Keith Lee the secret leader of Retribution? The nonsense of Retribution getting signed and revealing themselves makes no sense on so many levels. But the one that bugs me is the fact that Mia Yim and Dominic are there. And we know how close they are with Keith Lee. There have been promos and matches on USA Era NXT between them. The only thing I can think of is that they're secret weapon of Keith Lee or something like that, especially since the Limitless One hasn't acknowledged the show-disrupting group that has touched every part of Raw at some point. I don't know if it would be good or bad if true, but it's the only thing I can see salvaging the angle. Enjoy yourself and stay mage. I got to tell with a life, Niles, I don't think that's a terrible idea. I don't think so either. I like it. I, I don't think so either because, I, I, like, that's why they signed a deal because Keith Lee has a deal. Like, you can make something about it makes sense um robert wrote us a very long and angry email about raw this week i'm sorry it's a long (laughs) email i'll read it later (laughs) but i want to acknowledge your feelings robert and we share your frustrations um mail uh joshua writes us hey sweet pete dip and big daddy haystats I'm a long-time listener, first-time writer, and big fan of the major work you're all doing for wrestling fans. Over the years, I've laughed many times listening to your podcast. From Stack Guy's outrageous views and opinions, managing to convince R-Truth to change his lyrics to become number one in the Black Power rankings, to the hot dog chicken (laughs) showdown that will always be remembered and forever etched in my heart. But nothing on your show has ever made me spit out my tea and had me crying with laughter until Dipperfine said, I would flick that cocktail stick right into my father's face. (laughs) Uh, Emmanuel writes us Mage1 and SGG Look, I really want to root root for Dominic Mysterio But this is becoming really tough One, you brought up their clothes And Dominic's this week is a prime example of this Although Dip said that the daughter and wife Were not wearing, I believe uh, Over the top Gucci and Givenchy this week Two, I know Ray wasn't a stellar promo guy But did they all take the same promo class? Angie's cut a better promo so far. Also, how nice was it of the Mysterio family to stand at the top of the ramp in a single file line to listen to what their mortal enemy had to say? <laughs> right. They're very polite. Um, let's see. Mail. Trying to find cool wrestling story from childhood. Tom writes us. Mage one. 
In regards to the convo from your last episode on cheap heat, my mom used to work for WCW Magazine when I was a kid in the middle of the Monday Night what? Wars, and it was the height of my wrestling fandom. I was lucky enough to go on the WCW Bruise Cruise, which was a carnival cruise full of wrestlers and fans. I was able to meet many different wrestlers, and I just found pictures with me, with Jericho, Perry Saturn, Scott Hall, and Kevin Nash, and a few others. The best memory I have was I sat in the second row with backstage passes at the 1998 Starcade, which was the pay-per-view that Goldberg had his first loss in the hands of Scott Hall, hitting with a stun gun. Kevin Nash went on to win the heavyweight strap. I have every single copy of WCW magazine ever made, from the first one all the way to the last one. When the magazine got shut down and my mom was like, oh, I also have stories of seeing Randy Savage coming out of his hotel room in the middle of an after-show party because we got to stay at the same hotel as the wrestlers. Crazy times, and of course, best wrestling memories I have. Thanks, Tom. That's awesome. All right, Tom. When can you start, man? I, I, I'm, I'm, suddenly, I don't feel like there's any use for me. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. That uh, was lastly, that was... lastly, um, Samuel says, chiming in on slang with dip. Do you think food should be more referred to with smacks, as in these cookies from catering smack, or they hit different. Also, how badly do you want Roman to start incorporating on dogs into his promo? <laughs> I don't get it. Does he mean like on instead of on God? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I've heard people Lito. say that too. By the way, like, like instead of like yo word to my mother, like you know all that, like on dogs. I don't know where when- it came from. Oh, so on dogs is new slang. I don't know yet. You're saying no. I think it's old slang though, because I'm pretty sure. Like I would hear this like years ago. It didn't catch on like nationally, but it's just like yo, like I'm telling the truth for real. Like I swear to everything. Wow, on dogs. Like, on I need dogs. to get my ish right. Uh, keep promoting Lido Pizza. It smacks slash slaps slash hits different <laughs> on dead dogs. Sam Moco. <laughs> Montgomery County, home of Lido Pizza, the my favorite, favorite pizza. SUG, uh, take it easy, enjoy yourself, and enjoy the um, Clash of Champions kickoff show Sunday. Thank you, Peter. Same age, and I'm looking forward to seeing you on the, the kickoff show for the Clash of Champions Gold Rush. Can't forget about the Gold Rush. Take it easy, man. It's professional wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the at this time, I would like to introduce, in the corner to my left, the majesty, sweet, sweet Peter Rosenberg. And then I went to makeup and like sat in front of the mirror a little bit and got myself together. Also, ladies and gentlemen, at this time, I would like to introduce, shout out to that guy, Red. Red Hart is the greatest professional wrestler in the history of the art form. Mage. <laughs>